This is Trump Watch. I'm John Wiener, live in L.A. on 90.7 KPFK, talking about what Trump is actually doing, not just what he's tweeting. This is our year in review show. Remember 2017? Remember how Trump was sworn in on January 20th? And it's been a year of resistance ever since. John Nichols will be here with his progressive honor roll honoring the people who've done the most to fight Trump and Trumpism. Trump Watch starts right now. The resistance. John Nichols has been covering that. Of course, he's the nation's national affairs correspondent. You can read his progressive honor roll for 2017 in the new issue of The Nation magazine. John, welcome back. The top of your progressive honor roll is most valuable senator. Tell us about that. Well, it's Elizabeth Warren, and there's a reason for that. To be a U.S. senator in this moment uh, puts tremendous requirements on someone. It's easy to be someone who resists and simply says no, and that's very valuable. It's not to be diminished at all, but it's very, very hard, uh, especially in these times, to at one moment resist and at the next moment push things forward to try and really scope out uh, a vision for where we're headed next. And Warren did that with tremendous agility this year. If you take a look at, at what the senator from Massachusetts did, it's probably best to understand it in the context of something that uh, Steve Bannon said. In February, Bannon said that the purpose of the Trump administration would be the deconstruction of the administrative state, i.e., they wanted to take apart the infrastructure of government, really, and to undermine the regulatory state, the oversight, all the things that government does, uh, having built up since the, the New Deal era. And Warren recognized immediately the danger in that. And so when Trump cabinet picks came before the committees she was on, her questioning was, was just laser sharp. She went right to the heart of the matter of how they were going to run these agencies. She got a lot on the record. And she was actually so good at it that she was central in an effort, along with uh, America's trade union movement, to prevent one of Trump's worst cabinet picks from getting the job. And that's Andy Puzder, who was the nominee to be uh, Secretary of Labor. And so she was very effective in saying no. Obviously, she was also very effective, intriguingly enough, in saying yes. Uh, she succeeded in getting a number of amendments to the de defense appropriations uh, legislation one of which says that we have to actually account for the people that we kill as a country in all of our dozens of military missions around the world. It's one of the first times that we actually got that specifically in the language of uh, what's effectively the Pentagon budget. And there's a host of other uh, measures that she got in for accountability for military contractors, for sexual harassment issues, or for harassment and abuse issues in general, workplace issues. And so she was very, very effective as a senator in actually accomplishing some things. Finally, she really has been dogged in making sure that the Democratic Party itself is held to account. Warren was critical, along with Bernie Sanders, who also is mentioned in the list, uh, in getting single payer back on the, on the agenda of the party in a real way. Um, it's Bernie Sanders' bill, and he gets highest marks for that. But Warren really signaled that this was going to be something that uh, progressive Democrats all had to be on. And uh, also in getting anti-monopoly initiatives to be a major part of what the Democratic Party focuses on. Finally, the last reason she's on the list is, is probably the one that people know best. And that is that 
when she was fighting the Jeff Sessions nomination uh, to be attorney general, Elizabeth Warren went to the floor of the Senate and read from a letter from uh, Coretta Scott King opposing the nomination of Jeff Sessions for a judicial post back in the 1980s. And uh, most people will remember that Mitch McConnell raced to the floor of the Senate to shut her down, to stop her from doing that. And he had the famous phrase, nevertheless, she persisted. Yes. And that launched a beam. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I would I would challenge you to think of, of something that was a more iconic slogan of the resistance than never, nevertheless she persisted. It became something much more than just a reference to Elizabeth Warren. It was the notion that women are playing an, the absolutely critical role in this resistance. And so when you put it all together, uh, she was the one who came out on top. So Elizabeth Warren at the top of the list as a senator Another wonderful woman on your, I was very happy to see on your list, is much lower down on the power, totem pole of power, most valuable mayor. Tell us about that one. Yes, this is the mayor of uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, who I, I can, I will guarantee you that no one, or I shouldn't say no one, almost no one could have named the mayor of San Juan, Puerto Rico before the horrible, horrible uh, storms that came through, uh, the hurricanes that came through the Caribbean earlier this year. And the interesting thing, or one of the things that we point out in the, in the piece, is that uh, Puerto Rico doesn't have elected representation in the U.S. House of Representatives. Neither, does, uh, the, neither do the Virgin Islands. They don't have senators. They don't have members of Congress. They're not allowed to vote for president. They have non-voting representatives. But um, and, and to, to make a core point on that, because of that lack of representation, which is simply one of the worst manifestations of, of uh, really a colonial attitude toward those, those island uh, regions which are, which are part of the United States, um, they had a very hard time getting their voice heard. It was, who do you turn to? Who do you listen to uh, to tell whether the government is doing a decent job of responding to the horrible crisis that befell Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. And Carmen Yulin Cruz, who is the uh, mayor of San Juan, really stepped up and just did a remarkable job of, you know, just keeping her voice in the news, keeping herself heard, raising the objections, taking on the president of the United States when necessary, uh, cutting through the, the lies that suggested that we were doing an adequate job of response to this horrible hurricane that had hit again, Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. And, and I just think that, you know, it's a remarkable effort by a mayor um, to make sure that, that not just her city, but really um, the Commonwealth and, you know, all of these islands were not forgotten. Also important to the resistance in 2017, the most valuable union. This one was a big surprise to me. Yeah, it's the American Postal Workers Union. And the reason that the Postal Workers Union uh, comes into play here is it's coupled. Number one, it's really under assault. Here's a federal union in Donald Trump's uh, federal government, a government that is very unfriendly to unions, despite Trump's blather. Um, and you know, what they did, uh, what they've done on a, on a host of, of levels is, is very impressive. They're a militant union. They're absolutely determined to stand up and fight against privatization, against uh, you know, the cutting of services. They've got all sorts of forward-looking vision and, and approaches on the issues that affect them. But why they're on the list is something else altogether. 
Remember, post offices are everywhere. They're all over America. Uh, the postal workers are multiracial, multiethnic, uh, small town, big city. And when the Charlottesville uh, violence occurred, when the Nazis and the neo-Confederates went to Charlottesville and uh, ultimately unleashed violence so horrific that it led to the death of Heather Heyer uh, and, you know, it just traumatized not just the city, but the nation. A lot of people responded to it and responded, you know, well, but it was remarkable what the postal workers did. They sent a message out and that message was out, you know, done by their, their leadership, not just to, um, you know, their members in Charlottesville or, in, you know, in Virginia, but nationwide. And they delivered a core kind of old school union message that said, you need to understand no one, no group is more harmful to unions than Nazis and fascists. They always break unions. They always undermine our solidarity. They weaken our ability to defend our own jobs and to defend the services we provide. And so they actually had a thing in their, uh, in their message from their president, which was, um, why does this matter? Why does Charlottesville matter to the American Postal Workers Union? Or how does it matter? It, and they basically said it matters in everything. Everything that we're about is affected by this racist, fascist violence. And it was really a case of a union stepping up in an incredible way. So the most valuable union to the resistance, the American Postal Workers Union, last but not least, the most valuable national protest here. There's not really much of a debate, is there? No, there wasn't any debate at all. It, it's almost too easy, but it but it had to be noted because in some ways we do this annual list at the nation because we want to you know put down the historical imprint. We want to deliver the message that what we're talking about is certainly to be remembered and noted for this year. Yes. But hopefully, as people go back in the archives, they will remember that the Women's March on Washington was an absolutely transformational uh, march, and and that word transformational, I, I underline it and circle it because. December 20th, or I'm sorry, January 20th, 2017, January 20th, 2017 was a horrible day. Donald Trump got up and he gave a worse inauguration speech than anybody expected. He was talking about American carnage. Um, it was very unsettling and, and, and really very troubling. And, you know, Trump was putting his imprint on the country. And then the next morning, the Women's March, not just in Washington, but from Maine to California, from Florida to Alaska, out in Hawaii, nationwide, uh, the Women's March said, no way, we're not letting you put that imprint on this country. And it was such a powerful response that, that I invite people to remember, to this day, Donald Trump is whining about crowd sizes. John Nichols on The Resistance in 2017. You can read his progressive honor roll for 2017 in the new issue of The Nation magazine. Thank you, John. Thank you. It's great to be with you, John. That's it for today's Trump Watch. Today's show was recorded by Lyra Smith at the studios of Emerson College, Los Angeles, located in the heart of Hollywood. Our producer is Renee Reynolds. Our senior producer is Alan Minsky. Special thanks to Rye Cooter for our theme music, Mambo Sinuendo. I'm John Wiener. The Trump Watch podcast returns next week with more talk about what Trump is actually doing, not just what he's tweeting. <laughs>